Welcome to the Feral Minds Podcast. You are right where you need to be, and we are glad you're here. Come seek with us as we laugh at what we have known and find direction from what our curiosities demand we learn. All right, all right, all right. Talking about my generation. Today, we've got another guest back, our favorite guest. What makes him our favorite guest? Well, because he said yes and came back. Keep showing up. Tyler Briscoe is with us. There's a sucker born every minute, guys. <laughs> Thank God. Tell you. We needed one. Two or three sorry. going on right now. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I liked it, man. Whenever you left out, you were uh, a guest that after leaving, you, you you were enthusiastic about it. Like, you could tell right yeah, away. Yeah, it was it's awesome. Like, this is fun. I want to come back. It was a really experience. Yeah, it's cool. And, and uh, we've had a couple other guests say that, but they haven't made it back. So I appreciate it. It's good to have you here. Yeah, I'm just proud to be here man thank you guys for having me sorry to sorry to all the podcasters it's the best they can do hopefully they'll get better <laughs> man we're, we're trying bringing, we're bringing people to the world they didn't know they wanted to know yeah we have a real <laughs> fun word around that what, what was the phrase with all the people you never knew you needed to know exactly yeah and you're number one or two yeah, or it's like top something. of the list for right. yeah, as long sure. as i'm a number man we'll I get you a care. jersey at some point as long as i'm a number yeah so, uh, man, what we came in today, I'm excited about this topic. It's something I've kind of been swimming around with a little bit. You can look at it different ways. Maybe you're talking differences in generations or generation gaps. You could look at it as like you're dealing with experience versus youth. We, we all get so excited about looking young, feeling young, or being old and wise. Get excited, we pay for it. Right. We, but, yeah, we'll buy youth you know, any way we can. Several ways. <laughs> so once you get old enough to realize how great youth is, like it's gone from you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a funny conundrum that we do. And I mean, that's just part of life and the growth process. But some of the things like from youth, you got to hold on to. You know, the things that we've let go too much of. Some of that we believe in at, at Feral Minds. We, like, we think recess needs to be a part of even an adult life movement exploration yeah, we've come full circle mm-hmm. heck even nap time yeah, <laughs> yeah know, some I'm, of this stuff snack time i promise well. you at my age i have came full circle i'm ready for my nap yeah. not too much recess because i can't handle it man <laughs> <laughs> well the more recess you get the better you get it i recess. like my snack time though too yeah it's fun it's but fun. the other one that kind of we brought in with the show today is uh is this idea of show and tell and uh, man we appreciate you bringing in some kind of some exciting piece of hardware yeah so i brought a couple different things one uh, i brought a little gift for you guys any show called the feral minds has got to have some feral shit yeah so <laughs> got you a little feral little feral raccoon skull here he's chromed go, out go too. in your collection he's chromed Absolutely. Out. that's a chromed yeah. out raccoon skull well you guys deserve the bling man uh, i mean really so, i never knew that i never knew one that a raccoon looks so aggressive what are these your trash pandas that's what we were calling them trash can panda trash is can my pandas. favorite term for a raccoon they look they kind of look cool, de-skinned. It's almost a better alien look. You know, chromed than, than out, yeah, I can them. see that landing in a spaceship, yeah. man. Oh, Absolutely. you blinged it out, too. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that's it does look like a little predator skull. Yeah. Yeah. Like a little baby predator skull. Dude, if that thing had the rest of the skeleton blinged out, him and Sasquatch would be neck and neck. <laughs> I mean, they're they're right there. Right. <laughs> we, we, we I don't know who's going to win, but it's going to be interesting. We really glazed over the fact that, that we think Bigfoot might actually be Rural homeless population. Yeah, I thought that was an exciting. So we, thing that we came go from back to your, we go back to your story, yeah. right? And, and 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 a little bit of my story: the fact that some people are out there walking about it made us wonder. Like all this stuff that's knocking around in the woods, 
Just homeless population trying to live? Is that Man, possible? I don't know. I'm a, there's a lot of I don't knows I don't know in this world. And then the question is, if we did find Sasquatch to be homeless, well, now we have to we have to find him a home. Yeah, yeah. You can't you can't just let the homeless go. Get him in like a Section Eight apartment, or you know, get him get him taken care of. You know what I thought about? Of course, you can get your you know your what is it your license to go hunt Bigfoot. Yeah. Now here's my question. Theoretically. If you see one and you kill it, what you, kind of hell have you created for yourself in society now? I, I can't because imagine. You killed the only one. The that assumption, we know of. but all right. So the That'd assumption like, well, is you're going to kill the Easter Bunny. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen? Just dude? killed some mag- mag- magnificent mythical figure. That well, you're not going to you're not going to trap it. I wouldn't. Hesitate, I mean, you're not going to trap I'd pull it. the trigger. It wouldn't bother me <laughs> yeah. because I, that's, yeah. that's if, my, if it comes down to me or Bigfoot, Bigfoot's going down. Man, I'm mounting that thing right above my fireplace. I don't know what the other options. But what are the options? Like you're going to show up against Bigfoot and go, "Hey, just come with me peacefully." It's nine foot of just. Curly poodle hair. Well, we right. don't know how tall it is. All the pictures you got from it, a distance. Though. You got to kill it. It's, it's a tough. Goal. You got to kill it. Like you can't take a chance. Nah. You're saying Bigfoot. You, you're out on one of these. Big, well, first of all, these Bigfoot. Dude, have you not seen Harry the Hendersons? Give him a swim Bigfoot gym. is just he's misunderstood. <laughs> he's him not him misunderstood. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> well, anyway, and well, I, not he's misunderstood. He's unfounded. We don't even know if we. He even, could be a genius. He and I are doing. Trace and I are doing a homeless audit with a local organization okay. here in next week, actually. Mm-hmm. Going out bad. four in the morning. This hit me at about, uh, I don't know, a couple days last week. This hit me. I'm driving home in the dark going, we're going to go out at four in the morning and knock on tents. You can't really knock on a tent. You scratch on a tent to take inventory to help this homeless agency. Now, I'm not saying this totally in humor, but... That's a scary thought. Yeah. Are you Before, guys going out, we're going out at 4 o'clock in the morning. Are you taking some self-defense stuff? We're going you? out with professionals. Okay. I don't know, if, I don't know what sort of self-defense. I, I got to go armed with good karma <laughs> is the way I go through life. I truly uh, I kind of am one of those believers there's nothing to be afraid of. Don't worry about locking your Man, doors. I don't know. Those, I think it's, the, a, it's a dumb mentality. I that, understand. I'm that, not trying to defend it. That, but I'm going out without any, I'm going life. out with no defense. You're just riding on pure about. karma. Yeah I, yeah. I believe that just through you know the goodwill that I'm there with, that it, it's not going to have any negative aspect. that can come on the other side of it. Here's what I, here's Man, what, I don't know I've learned this that. from talking my have way out of some fights before. you watched that grizzly before. dude that was like <laughs> trying to be friends with the bears? Oh, yeah, I did. The very last video. And hey, he had good karma all the way up through the back of the bear. Hey, at some I mean, point, you got you to stop <laughs> testing your karma, I will say that. I, I mean, I think that guy, like, he had, that was in the cards the whole time. He was out there really trying to dance with him. And, he and, wasn't going to yeah, leave until. But what I'm, what I, I mean, that's a wild animal. To some extent, you're dealing with some feral people out here that are living in Tent City, man. Yeah. You, you need to be careful, yeah. seriously. That well, is here's, true. Here's what they're, I'm, they're, uh, yeah, they're undomesticated. They, they're unhoused. They're surviving. That's, yeah. that's with, a little bit of what I thought. With nothing. Yeah. When we were starting to go out there, is, you know, we're feral minds. We owe it to some of the feral living <laughs> to find out about it. One of the things that I've, I've wanted to go on and do this and then it's even in my old experiences in the past i've sat down with one outside kind of chatted for a while i say one like one that of just seems kind. like they're different i know it's so well the way we're talking about it i was it. curious i was like one of these days i might want to live feral like this <laughs> here i am i'm a feral mind you know what happens if i do want to just break the voluntarily of living homeless. in a home I, there's a freedom to it that i think could still be explored and embraced i mean janice joplin said it pretty well freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose 
<laughs> and this is where these people are at. If they're living Janis Joplin life, they're the free ones. I'd like my freedom with a shower and with yeah. HVAC and a nice set of clean clothing. But anyway, so we're going out to see, to do inventory and learn a little bit about the process. I'm really curious about it, but I also get a little scared about it when I, when I think about how creepy it's going to be. My defense is these bad boys right here. Oh, okay. I still got a good 40, 50 yards in me. Where I'm good. <laughs> We're gonna have you, you get to 100 yards, I'm in trouble. You don't I'm have in to deep you water. throw some adrenaline in there. I bet you're I good got, for 100. I'm saying I got, okay, I'll give myself 100 <laughs> yards, but then I need a motorized vehicle to get me to rest of the way. You just have out. to outrun the rest of the team. That's man. a good point. Yeah. The other one, yeah. You don't got to be point. faster than the bear. Yeah. Just helps you trip the dude next to you. <laughs> That's always easy. Well, I, unforeseen circumstances excluded, I do think that it's going to be an eye opening event. It will definitely be interesting. I, I don't yes, know so if we're going to find the one that says, yep, I'm Sasquatch. But if I did have to find Sasquatch in, out in the we'll open, we'll let you know. Though. I'd rather wake him up in his home than, than see him out on the I prowl, think you're going to find some very close ones. You would have like at least three foot of leg just hanging out the tent. You'd have some idea <laughs> if Squatch is, is the one you're out there to audit. <laughs> you see one of those like 20 man tents set up. You're like, how many people wow, are they there? Daisy chain that set just up. one. It's just Sasquatch in the middle. It's a long, single wide hallway of tent. <laughs> No, I get. I I don't think we're going to end up there. And I I truly like. I'm with you. I, I appreciate creature comforts. I'd like to think that what I've done, what I've learned and experienced through life so far, is is going to keep me in the collaborative comfort that I that I've come to know. But I tell you, my youth to get to this point, you aren't any guarantee that I wasn't going to end up in that same place. There's there's a lot of lessons that have to be learned. Some of them the hard way. Especially for me. I'm an experiential learner. You can tell me all you want that this is going to happen or this won't. And until I jump in the mix, I don't believe you. Yeah, I'm very similar. Like, here's so to go back, I was in school. Is it you don't Whenever they it? first taught us how to use those crank pencil sharpeners, and they tell you, don't stick your finger in there, put your pencil in there and turn. Yeah. My first thought was, whatever, I'm going to find out. I go up to that pencil sharpener, twist it around with the biggest one, stick my pinky in it, and turn. And it cut. Lesson I mean, learned. I cranked it. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Yeah. Yep. And honestly, I were kind of, you know, vaguely remember pulling it out. I mean, like, yep, it happened. All right. <laughs> you know, I just had to find The out. evidence of all the pencils coming out sharp weren't enough. You needed to bleed out that example. Well, who knows? Maybe they were tickling those pencil sharpeners tight or pencils uh, tight. You know, you just wanted to know I, how it worked. I didn't know. Yeah. I've always found I know like, more intimately than most people how that spiral blade <laughs> sharpens a pencil, and that's just the way I had to dive in to learn. That's I always thought learning learning didn't have the same sting until it meant something. Even if I'm just learning a flat one dimensional subject, I needed it to have a little bit of sting in my pants. For me to really Grasping. pay attention to it. Yeah. yeah. And so if, if you're training me on something, but I have no experience around it, I'm almost going to let it out the back door. It just doesn't mean anything. It's to not me. pertinent to me yet. No. I don't yeah. even, I haven't experienced. It's, it's got to have a little sting. To touch it. It's got to have a little sting. And, and I don't think that's entirely in an inappropriate way to learn. I think it is a, you're going to learn in a little bit more violent fashion. But I also think you're going to learn all the way through the lesson. Mm -hmm. Because if, if you know how it's done, and you know how you did it, 
and you know the gaps in between, now you really have a learning opportunity well, you're, versus just reading a subject matter. You're definitely going to retain it better. I yeah. mean, if you have some of those. When you got the scars yeah, to show. When you've uh, got those hiccups and you know what the end result should be yeah. and you're going to take a different route to get there, it's, it's going to hurt for a little while. You're going to get there, and the next time you're going to go, man, maybe I should have went that other route that they told me because there's, that's there's, a lot less painful. Yeah, and now there's value in paying attention. Whereas yeah. before it was like, uh, you're telling me this for some reason I don't quite understand yet until I understand what that sting's going to be. I'm absolutely guilty of being one of those guys that – and I have nothing against authority. It's not a, like an authority problem. But when somebody tells me this is how we're doing it, I, I automatically question that a little bit. Like, well, why aren't we doing it this way? Yeah. You know, I may not say it out loud, but in my mind I'm going, well, there might be a better way. Maybe we should try this. I, I got in trouble really early in my career while – I was doing some time and doing some other things, and I went to this. She was like the AA for this. By doing time for the rest of the world that doesn't know this, you weren't behind bars. No, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> this so is a labor I'm like issue. I'm literally doing time where they can charge it out, and I can get paid, and the customer can get charged and all that. Anyways, I go to this AA, and I'm like, hey, this. she'd been got me in some on something. It was something to do with the time, and it was like how we entered it or how we charged it. I'm like, this makes absolutely no sense. You know, it's not good for the customer. It's not good for me. It's not good for the company. I'm spending way too much time doing this time over the course of a year. Tremendous amount of waste of resources for everybody. And she looks at me. She's like, you need to go with the flow. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what? She goes, don't fight the system. Just go with the system. Yeah. <laughs> and I have never forgot that because she was absolutely right. There's yeah. sometimes don't try to swim upstream. Mm -hmm. Just Put your arms out, float downstream. Yeah, there's, there's a yin and a yang to that, though. Like, it's a good and bad. Because, you know, I, I loved how you started off that. It got me on fire. I was like, heck, yeah, barrel thinking, you know, break it out. <laughs> but then the moral of your story is just stay in the not, way. Not in all cases. <laughs> I think it's good to question things, especially processes. Somebody may have put that process together, whatever it is, years ago or in a different aspect or whatever, and things change daily. Mm -hmm. So there's, ab there's absolutely well-defined rights to question why we're doing this or why why am I doing this? Why am I thinking this way? I think that's healthy. But you got to be careful with it, too, because you can get yourself in a trap that may have bad consequences on the other side. I've always thought that when you, when you get an organization and you see uh, things that aren't really logical, there's usually a system issue behind it. When you go, why, why do we do it this way? The answer is usually because the system requires us to do it this way. So we'll deny all kinds of logic as long as what we're doing can be captured appropriately in software. We'll, we'll alter the effectiveness, the logic of what's actually being done in the physical world in order for it to fit the insanity of a limit of a program. I've noticed, too, a lot of that when we question things, again, whether it's in an industry or whatever, sometimes we're questioning that because we don't have enough information for that topic, right? Why am I doing it like this? Well, we're doing it like this because yada, 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 yada. Oh, okay, well, that makes sense now. But if you didn't have that information, then how do you know that that's yeah. the right way? You don't. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Your, your, your ignorance or, I guess, a lack of knowledge can lead to a virility. Absolutely. And I, But, again, back to trying to put a positive light on that, I feel like you carry around too much knowledge, well, you aren't going to have anything figured out. <laughs> I, I agree, but I think information, too, helps you make good decisions. Without that information, you can make decisions – Maybe for somebody else's career, maybe for your own family. Off an assumption, off, off, an off assumption some prior experience. Because you didn't have that information. Yeah. And that you're whether it's a yes or a no, 
may have totally changed that decision. Yeah. So it has extreme consequences if you don't have a little bit of that, why am I doing this in you? Well, yeah. think of how much further we could progress if maybe a few of these feral mites, like, again, the one I'm shining a light on, would just stay in the lane. Like, we already learned that step of whatever. We don't need to backtrack just so your dumb can learn it again. Man, I that promise We could you, just start here and launch to new, new, new problems. I would be far better in life if I would have just kept my mouth shut several times <laughs> about several things. But I'm inquisitive, and I like to know, so here I sit. A dumbass with three steel plates in my head. All kinds of other battle scars. Three steel plates in yeah. your head. Financially, <laughs> mentally, and physically. Why didn't you go for the fourth? Well, you just yeah. three was Man, a good three's balance. all I needed. That's all it takes. So, I got lesson, lesson learned. Right. Right. The only, I'm sorry. The only other person I've heard talk about a plate in their head was, was Cousin Eddie. On, on vacation. So I got to know, whenever you fire up the microwave, do you piss yourself and forget who you are Dude, for about you joke years? about that. And I, I don't think the doctors, they'll argue this, but like right after the surgery... If I got close to one that was on, I could feel like a tingling, I swear. Oh. I don't know if it was psychological Ooh. or physical or what. No, uh, there's when you start putting metal in your skull, I, I agree with you. Now, because I, I, I've got them in, in your teeth. Like, if you haven't felt the tinfoil chew against a, right. one of those old This is your grill or what? Uh, no, no, fillings. Crowns. Oh, I thought maybe canals. you had a little now, gold a in the grill. I got all the work in here. It's an okay. expensive mouth that just looks like a normal one. But it would surprise you how much you feel that more just having a gold cap on your tooth. Like your your skull is sensitive. So right. I don't doubt one bit having some metal as part of your skull is going to happen. Yeah, and it was only like immediately after that, like during the healing process and everything else. Today, I don't even think about it. I don't even, most of the time, I don't even, I for, completely forget about it. What, and exactly how did it happen? Uh, I was, this is a, a long story I'll try to condense. So at that time, I was very young, probably in my mid-20s, I guess just working like crazy hours and to try to make some extra money i thought i was going to be a, a horse whisperer for lack of a better <laughs> okay. word worst decision i've ever made in my but you were life. your job at this point in time was to break them yeah so i was doing like i worked six days a week and then like on my day off i would go try to break these horses and condition them and do some things like that and i'll be the first to tell you i don't get along with horses like cattle other animals yeah. i've got a pretty good feel with my dad, my grandparents, and my sister, they're they are they're the legit horse whisperer. Man, they can do amazing things. I've never got along with them. Probably goes to some of that questioning. Why are you doing this? I'm in control. And then they go, No, I'm in control. <laughs> and then we don't get along. Yeah, let's and, check the yeah, weight card here. I, that just doesn't work. So uh, anyways, back to the story. I was doing that and this was on Easter Sunday. I remember that part of it. Uh we had them snubbed up. I was on a horse. Another guy was on a horse. Snubbed up means what? So they're basically, if you've got a horse that you're breaking, you've got his his halter and and his nose is tied off to the saddle horn of this other horse. Okay. And you're leading them through because you're fixing to go out into a pasture, and he's fixing to let you loose. But yeah, so you got to once a, he does that, that other horse is going to try to take yeah, off. Yeah. Whenever he lets that loose, you're in control or he's in control. It's up to you two to figure okay. it out. All right. So, anyways, we're snubbed up. We get to the gate, and then. I don't know how much time passed. I wake up in a, um, my it was my brother-in-law's truck at the time, and I was in the passenger seat, and I didn't have a shirt on. It was on my head, and I just kind of wake up. And, I mean, I, I'm kind of coming to, and he's screaming, and I'm like, what in the world is going on? And I pull my shirt. I'm like, where's my shirt? And I pull it off, and it's obviously covered in blood. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God. So I pull the mirror down. He's, don't, don't move, don't move. And I'm 
looking there's blood all in his truck i'm like i'm getting your truck all bloody i pull the mirror down and there's like a big hole here whoa and, it's uh, funny the things you worry about when you're about to die and it never hurt <laughs> at that time it never hurt i guess you go your into mama. some sort of your body goes mm-hmm. into shock or whatever but you literally had a hole in your head yeah it broke all these bones right here in your skull the frontal lobe i think is what they call that okay. maybe that's the brain part i don't know well, anyways we get to the hospital and i'll make this quick but this is funny you guys will like that we get to the hospital emergency room and they're filling out the paperwork, and I'm sitting over here on the deal with literally holding my brains in. <laughs> and there's a there's a dude sitting next to me. And uh, I'm kind of like waiting on whatever's next. You know, yeah. I don't know at this point. I'm I not really hurt. And I hadn't, hadn't figured out what's happening. I look over, and this dude's been shot like three times. <laughs> and he's holding, and he looks at me, and he goes, what happened to you? And I just pull my deal off. He goes, Jesus Christ, give this man a doctor. He's dying. I can see his brain. <laughs> And that, that is why that, that exact seconds when I'm like, man, this is bad. That dude's been shot. <laughs> this this is not going to end well for me. You have to sound like two Civil War soldiers staring no, at each other going yeah. like, are they going to fix you or when me? He, when Boy, I, he's got a leg cut off. I was looking at him, and when I saw the look in his eye when I pulled that off, oh. that's when it hit me like, dude, this is bad. Yeah. This is really bad. That's, a, that's that old classic joke, like two people get damaged, and who's the one that has the largest reaction? Not the one that's damaged. It's the, the other one guy. that sees the yeah. one that's damaged. It goes like, oh, my God, I must be in a similar setup. Yeah. So they take you back and, what, they jam some gauze in no, there? No, we were, we were at a local hospital, and they're like, yeah, there's, there's nothing we can do with this guy. So uh, they put me, and I'll never forget this part. Again, I hadn't been hurting at all. I'm just holding my head. Rolling around with a yeah. hole in your head like it's nothing. They put me on a backboard, and for those of you that have never been on one, that is hands down the most excruciating thing I've ever had to do. Really? They strapped me. They wanted me motionless. Mm-hmm. So they put the neck thing on, and they banned me to this backboard and throw me in an ambulance for a two-hour drive to the oh my nearest God. hospital. Man, about 30 minutes. They put minutes, a towel in your mouth? About 30 minutes down the road, I'm, I'm, I'm like, screaming. at the, the driver's in there, and I'm like, Man, you gotta let my 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 legs and my back are they're they're you're killing me. So the pain is just being held just, static just like that. Held static to a flat. Feeling board. everything probably oh, in the road. It was terrible. And there's wow. not great suspension on those. Yeah. Okay. And they so, finally they let my legs they let let my legs loose where I could kind of arch them a little bit. Oh, <laughs> it just made all relief. the difference. Yeah. Wow. So, so they take you to a civilized hospital. Yeah. One, so they take us to a professional doctors. Yeah. Or? This guy was like a. I was trying to remember his name. I can't believe I can't remember it because he was so awesome. I can believe you can't remember. He was an ear, nose, and throat doctor, strangely enough, because okay. I guess you got all these sinus cavities and stuff up there. Not a know. neurologist. Well, they had a guy check that out, I guess. I got billed for it, so I'm sure they had <laughs> somebody somewhere checked that out. But uh, he came in. He's like, there's nothing we can do till we get the, uh, the swelling down, so we're going to stitch you up and send you home with some pain meds. And I'll see you in about six weeks. Wow. And I'm like, can I go back to work? Because <laughs> we're hungry and I'm broke. <laughs> and I'll never forget this. All my friends were in there. And they told me this later. I say I can't forget it because they told me later. But uh, at this point, they've got me on a really heavy morphine drip. And I mean, I've never done any drugs to speak of. And when that nurse put that in, I knew as soon as the needle went in, I knew I felt good. And I'm like, what's that? She goes, morphine. I'm like, can you turn that up? She says, yeah. And I mean, it puts you in a different place. I can see where people can 
have a problem with the morphine deal. It's good, huh? Anyways, doctor comes in. He's like, yeah, six weeks, whatever. I'm like, well, can I go back to work? He's like, what do you do? And I'm like, I couldn't remember what I did. So I'm like, I play professional hockey. You know, and I've got my head busted. <laughs> That's what this. you came up with. with yeah, I remember. It just come <laughs> out of nowhere. Great. And he's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hockey yeah, player. <laughs> I don't know what you do, but you're not going to do that. And you're not going to go back to work either. So, <laughs> so I got a question. So I, I guess it's safe to say you didn't get back on that horse, huh? No, no. <laughs> yeah, I got, I got in trouble for that once. The only time I got bucked off, I was a lot younger. But I, I felt the need to get back on the horse was not near as strong as my father felt yeah, like it that, was. Man. That was truly a it's like I feel like deal. I had learned from that experience. Life-changing experience for me. Was that the first time you've been bucked? No, I'd, I'd done that a lot, but it, it kind of helped me reevaluate my life and my career because I'm <laughs> like, all right, well, now I'm out of work for this six weeks, and then we got the surgery, and I'm out of work for that much more. Well, you're only getting a certain percentage of your short-term disability, and we were barely making it when I was working 80 hours a week. So I'm wow. like, what am I doing trying to make 500 bucks a month? I've just jeopardized my entire career, my health, and quite quite frankly, our financial stability because it was tough. Wow. Totally rearranged my thought process from that day forward. That part-time, yeah. guy, part-time job got expensive. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you really, again, you rearrange, you're like, what am I doing over here? This is, that's a, stu- I can't believe I was doing that. Yeah. So and that's and your experience it, breaking you out of, of a youthful existence that, that you were making kind of inexperienced ignorant decisions and again, on like yourself the only way i learn is through pain and gain man oh god you mean i tell you something like i said we're talking about generations and uh, you, you hear a lot of talk about the this younger generation coming up and they're not going to be as good just like the baby boomer said about gen x i'm sure every generation down through the lineage of generations probably said the next yeah. one coming these up. kids these days uh, yeah uh, now i gotta say though on this experiential learning side I was very proud of my son. You know, you find out about them a whole lot once they turn 16. Like Their choice ability shoots through the roof. And I, I can tell you, have you, you got yours up to 16 yet? No, no, I don't. Yeah, it's one of those things, like, they'll tell you they grow up fast, but you don't have any idea how fast it feels until you see them doing it. I can imagine. And I can tell you the same thing, man. When they turn 16, there's this whole switch that's a different existence. You don't even have the same kid anymore. Man, but I, you find out about the one you have. And I, man, when I saw mine turn 16, I felt like Forrest Gump. At the end, when he comes in and he finds out that he's got a child and he's sitting down and he, and he looks at her and he goes, is he smart? And, and he finds out that he was. I have that same feeling with my child because I've seen him grow up to this point. I've seen that decision switch of a 16-year-old flick on. And he is smarter than I was. He doesn't have to learn that is awesome. through the experience of slamming his head into a wall to find out, oh, I'm not going to slam my head into a wall. Hey, congratulations. <laughs> yeah, you that, evolved him. That, that, that comes from you. So. You took, yeah, you I, took I, the gene line yeah. forward. I like to think so. I think that each, I mean, it's each generation's He's job acting, you're acting to make like, the next generation better. Yeah. So it's tough to sit here and say that they're not as good. So at 16, what you're saying is you're happy with the work that you put into your child. You I don't. I've gotten in trouble because I've said I'm done. <laughs> like honestly, Ooh. I saw you. It's like I think he's already yeah. smarter than you know He though, already that, got life figured out before I did. So I'm gonna let making, him just ride on with it. That decision making part you're talking about, that was because of the way you and your wife and your family influenced him up to that point. Now, there's gonna be a lot more of that later in life, but when, like when you get credit, but when I don't you know get I to that point, <laughs> a lot of that comes directly from how you were raised, in my opinion. I mean, I, I had the same experience. My I've got a picture. You guys told me to bring some stuff that was important. Yeah, yeah, this show us up. So this is my family, obviously, and this is a little bit dated, but it's myself and my wife and my son and my daughter. 
And my uh, you don't my, have too many more gray hairs. It ain't that. Dead. Yeah, <laughs> my son is eleven now. My daughter's seven, and we're at the perfect. I would I would think with my experience, the perfect time. We still get to do a lot of things. Their grandparents are still in good health, so they're still interested in. Yeah, you. we're yeah. we're having Hang on all to three of the generations are still vital and yeah. contributing to mixing together. Uh, I I worry sometimes about uh, influencers, if you will. That's that's become a really big thing in this world today. Uh, it's good and bad. I think some of them do have the right intent, but there's a lot of them out there that I think are just doing it for the the fame and the money, and they really don't offer anything. I think society in general has a, a curiosity about the rich and famous, but realistically, they're living in a totally different world than we are. So mm-hmm. their decision-making, kind of going back to that information deal, mm-hmm. totally different day-to-day. And I I don't worry about my son and my daughter. I don't worry about them making poor decisions in the future. I worry about the future of everybody else's decisions, if you will, the, the area that they're going to be living in concerns me a little bit so so what what went wrong with that then so do we blame the generation before for not leaving it better or do we blame this because right now the way i see it you pretty much got three generations at any given time roughly yeah. i mean they yeah. overlap some like the baby boomers overlapped a couple i don't know however big they are but at any given time you basically got three generations you, and right now you're looking you got baby boomers and then you got us your gen x in your 40s 50s and then millennials and i think they might even start starting one by, behind the millennials now i think that it's almost been too long we're in a 25 year window with them or something. yeah yeah but nonetheless between those three if the world's getting worse who's to blame yeah, you know, that's that's such a complex question. And I was actually talking to a close friend of mine. He's exactly 10 years older than I am. And we serve very similar interests. We're in the same field. We do a lot of things. And I'll go on the record and tell you, when I met him 20 years ago, I hated him. I thought he's the most <laughs> arrogant SOB I'd ever met in my entire life. That's good. Yeah, he had an engineer degree and a very intelligent guy, obviously. And I came to him, and this is a different deal, but I want to tell this story. I came to him with a question about a machine that he had actually been an engineer on. So he knows that product very well. And I'm just an entry-level technician at this point. And I'm like, hey, man, I'm having this problem, and the book doesn't tell me what's going on. There's a lot of things that come with experience in my industry, right? The book gives you a lot of information, but there's some things you just have to know from experience. Mm. So I reach out to him, and as far as I know, I'd never offended this guy in any shape, form, or fashion. I'm like, hey, man, I'm having this problem. You got any insight? What would you do next? And I kind of tell him about it. And he's, I'll never forget, he's working on his desk. He goes, yeah, hold on just a second. Gets a piece of paper. And he draws a graph. And he's like, this is a X point and over here. And he hands me the graph. And he goes, that's all you need to know. What did he give you? It's, Quadratic it's a, formula? Yeah, what, what did that for teach a, you? A 20-year-old kid that has zero experience with any of that. And I'm what like, was your next move? I just said, okay, thank you. And I politely walked out. And every, every it's like I'm not going to need to do much. No. <laughs> that's what that's what I was like. Okay, I'll figure it out myself. Yeah. Man. For Fine. the next couple of years, I tried to avoid the guy yeah. like the plague. But then we got to kind of interacting a little bit more. And uh, he's got a really dry sense of humor. So yeah. I may have that may have been what that was at that time. Oh, you missed his punchline. And I just missed it because I've never been around that. I wasn't raised in that kind of atmosphere yeah. with that high intellect, really dry type of sense of humor. Yeah. Anyway, since then, it's evolved, and we're really close friends, right? Anyways, so this conversation we're having, we're talking about our, our children. So I'm having this conversation with, with, with this guy, and I'm like, man, my kids are spooled rotten. Ugh. And he's like, yeah, mine are too. 
And that kind of gets us to engaging in some more conversation. Some of this feral mind kind of stuff, if you will. We mm -hmm. have a lot of these conversations. And I'm like, man, have you ever wondered, like, every generation spools their children a little bit because they want more for them. Is that taken away from our society to some extent? Because then that generation expects more out of the world because they were gave more to start with. And, you know, I don't know. That's a just I, that's probably not a new thought. I'm sure there's other people that explored that. It just popped into my I, I go both sides. Struggling head. Well, I don't think as, it's your. You I don't think it's yours. It's not. It's we are doing the best we can with the environment we have, but whether or not we're at war, whether or not we're in famine, whether or not we're, th these are largely out of a parent's control, and so yeah, we can spoil them in the way we discipline them, don't discipline them, the way we teach them to strive. But so much of what we're doing is making making do with the current we have. We, we're living at a very comfortable time, and you and I can't change that, right? You can make your kid's life very uncomfortable in a way that will eventually have them resenting you. But you can't create World War II for them or some large learning curve that they have to step through. It can't be artificial. The it, conflict really you learn from has to be genuine. Here, it can't the, be, it can't be manufactured conflict. How do you raise resilient robust children in a very soft time yeah. when when their life doesn't give them much challenge and it kind of becomes one of your challenges as a parent to create the challenge for them without going way. too far yeah, yeah without without making them hate yeah. you because the rest of the world is living a very comfortable life yeah. my I, my children i mean they, they know what work is and they know what ethics are and, and some of those things and some of those lessons have been tough for them and I mean, I've I've had to do some things that I don't know that I enjoyed doing as a parent, but I knew that hopefully that would imprint on them later on from ethics and integrity standpoint. Mm. Lying is a big deal for me mm. in my family. I've I've got this thing, and everybody's entitled to their own thoughts and beliefs and all that. But I've I've kind of got this. I don't know if it's a motto or it's just a belief, I guess. But and I didn't realize this until later in life because the area we live in, right? But so. In my late 20s and 30s, as I was transitioning through my career and doing some things, I discovered that a grown man will look you straight in the eye and shake your hand and tell you a lie. Mm -hmm. They the, can do it. They will absolutely tell you a, a grown person, grown woman, grown man, absolutely can happen. And I didn't, I guess I didn't understand that until well, later you Well, you probably weren't around adults that lied. But again, you, you didn't have it's that experience. all where I was at in life and my influencers when I was younger, I, I didn't. I thought that was just something you'd see on TV or thieves did. So, where I'm going with that is my belief is, if a grown person, man or woman, will tell you a lie, they'll steal from you, <laughs> and they have the ability to hurt you and hurt your family. And I, I have zero tolerance for that. If I suspect that's going on, I make sure that it's it's a solid belief, and we distance ourselves from whoever or whatever that person is associated with. Yeah, I think truth can get undervalued a little bit. Absolutely. And, and the importance of it has a, a foundation for all communication, all relationships, all partnerships. You can't, you can't teach that too That's much. That's the cornerstone of everything. Now, I wonder, though, when it comes to that person, was every bit of the responsibility of learning that lesson put on their parent? Was every bit of the responsibility for learning that lesson put on society? Or on the person? That's that's where I say a lesson like how to interact with other humans, like the the t telling the truth and not stealing, like there's there's a few parties involved there, and to an extent they they almost all have to line up to teach that person a lesson. Sure, or it just doesn't happen. 
Sure. I think somebody has to, when you're talking about anything with theft or, or just unethical behavior, a model had to show you that. I think inherently- You blame the parent? I, 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 I don't know that I blame anybody. What I say is there's circumstances, whether it's the parent or the environment, That's or, environment or the individual itself, but somewhere along the way, I don't think we're born with a desire or an intuition to lie. I think we learn that at some now, whether it's my parent or whether it's at elementary school, I've learned that for some reason my desires can be either fulfilled or elongated if I tell lies when I need to tell them. And, and I, I, we've all lied, and that's the tricky part. To be a person that's not concerned with the truth is, is to be a person that has not feel the sting of having to live in a lie. Because mm-hmm. living in yes. lies, living in lies and carrying a lie around with you, and then having to, you really have to, like, you, you go back to your Quantum Leap fan, right? You mean Quantum Leap would always quadrate where they were. Mm-hmm. When you start telling a lie, you have to anchor back to that lie. And then you just realize this is entirely exhausting. Oh, I can't and imagine living a very exhausting. horrible way to live. But we've all done it at times. And yeah. I, I, I'd like to think of telling the truth. At some point, it becomes a maturity issue. But it also it speaks to your intuition and just whatever moral fiber you have within you. At some point in time, gets tickled and says, "Yeah, this is a moment where I can bend the truth." And I'll rationalize right, the nature of the, the etymology of that word, right? I'm telling myself lies to justify what I'm doing. And I think circumstantially people find themselves in places where they make a decision. And, and that decision has a lie in it. And they believe that the lie is somehow the greater play in that handle. Yeah. It leads to a greater truth for them. I think a that's lot of interesting that you say that. Is maturity too. Because mm-hmm. I, I, I wanted to say, I've done all those things. I was going to say at a much same. younger age. I, I've absolutely done them. And there, there came a point in my life where either those things caught up with me and I learned the hard lesson, the mm-hmm. hard way, mm-hmm. or I just overlooked some things and came to a realization this is not who I am. It's not how I was raised, not how I want to be thought of and matured out of that and and some of that's tough i mean we've all been in a position where it'd be so much easier to tell a lie than you get short-sighted truth. with with your lies yeah. like that's what that's what got me but it was something you said there that kind of sparked it was your 20s like that's that's whenever you start getting to that point where you can make big mistakes big lessons learned i came up into that with to, to have to learn this truth and integrity lesson a little bit based off the numbers we were trying to make on production levels as I was a manager. And I had one or two employees that I couldn't get to live up to the expectation I had for what I was paying them and justified in my mind some way. Not what you were paying them, what the organization was The organization was paying them, right? That's where this stuff gets funny. It does. Because it's not even your money. Let me defend why I say it that way. UPS, the place I worked at when I did, was – very adamant about telling you this is your little candy shop. This is your little part of the belt. You you make your decisions and control this here. And so that's why like I had ownership. Like I really felt like they were taken from me. Like they did a great job of coordinating your accountability. You were thinking your accountability. It was your own small oh, they, business. Were, they were beautiful with accountability there. So that's just kind of one of it. And so under that, my need to stay in integrity and in truth was outweighed by my desire to try to make a name for my little inexperienced youthful 20-something self and 
in doing that, I would I would shave their time a little bit just to get my number right, to get you know they were the worst <laughs> ones. I know, like as I'm telling you that, I realize you wait, wait, so everybody understands what this means. <coughs> they had worked eight hours in a day. And and, well, I mean, we were part time, so you're, just, usually they work about three and a half, three seven, right, whatever the number is. And then if it didn't work out, you know, you just got about three fifteen. You, you shave about twenty thirty here there, and and. Again, I can't tell you enough how I learned like it's awful. It didn't even help my numbers that much. It didn't make me feel like I was writing You're the not situation. Really that was person. some of what I was trying to do was write my inability to make them better. I know. But like, just I can sit quick. here and tell you You're all not, the facets of the excuses. You're I not used. the scuzzy person today that you were <laughs> that day when you made that decision. Right. That's what I'm getting at. Correct. All right. And yeah, I, I, so I tell I'm embarrassed to tell it. Like I really do feel No, it's not it, you. It's a it's a it's a shame. That I, I wear with pride, though, because I did learn that lesson. It did just pound into my head the importance of nothing but truth in your life, in your expression of your existence. Transparency. It yeah. is, yeah. You could, you could look at it all the ways you want. I could have been told that all the ways. To an extent, I knew it, even in my 20s. But it speaks to the point you were saying. At some point, it'll come along and you'll find the reason is big enough. To do the the deception, the so, some way or another, the tear totter will swing to where deception is the better option than my integrity. And then I learned in that moment that that can't happen, or that, you don't have integrity. In that instance, though, so you're under pressure because you're putting yourself in that position, right? Not because the management was saying, "Hey, your numbers aren't good enough. You're going to have to do this." You were going, "Man, I've I've got to make these numbers better if I want to get to this level." So. Here's how I'm going to do oh, it. Oh, believe me, right? there's a healthy dose of both. Like, okay. they, they'll you come in and thought, yell at you. You, you thought the it. dude didn't deserve the time. You, that's what, that was your accusation, right? That was one of the many facets that led yeah. me to think this will be okay. Right. Yeah, it, it was. So the, guy, the guy's agreeing to get paid hourly, and you're like, no, this is based on production. <laughs> and he didn't know that, so he lost a little bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. But th and, this is and, a much this more is the unethical, unenlightened individual, not the man here today. Yes, that's that's exactly. important this to understand was, that. There's yeah. a lot of lessons and experience <laughs> that, yeah. have, that have built up from then to now to get me here. Yeah. And and what I'm kind of saying is was where we always will say the generation coming up ain't as good. Well, you're watching a generation stumbling, bumbling through their teens and 20s. Like, there's never going to be a generation that's born. It comes out, bam, you know, they're in their 40s and they already have learned life lessons. Sure. We, I think, need to give a little bit of grace to that generation coming up and understand, hey, we went through those teens and 20s too. So there's an aspect of an older generation needing needing to learn some allowance, I think, yeah, and acceptance. And, yeah. and then there's a little bit still that you got to blame that generation coming up to, to give some respect to their elders. To have discernment in between what are structures and processes that need to stay in place or what are some that need to be broken and taken down. But they, they also have in that age, you're in the age when you're going to do things. You have the energy to do it. You have the personal ambition to do it. You, you are trying to become your own individual. And you're really worried with this vessel that you're driving that's going to be the provider for you and your family. And so we need people in those age groups. In that 20 to 40 bracket, we need you screwing up. We really It's important that you screw up because that's how you learn, and that's also how you take risks to advance whatever our society element you're working on. We need you taking risks. The, the dishonesty that comes with it, I always thought, man. I mean, if you, lie you about think it, about you don't an learn outcome. It. You're not learning the you're, lesson. But you're also worried about an outcome for yourself. So there's an individual self-preservation motivation there that says, all right, 
I'm going to tell this lie. So, like, with your example, right? So the guy didn't even know you were taking his time, right? No, so the the, the end of the story, they he actually – was very meticulous about keeping track of his time. Turns out. Yeah. yeah. And he came back to me later, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, after the, the week the paycheck. He's In like, man, I'm pretty lot. sure. No, 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 no. He was, I, I, he was very gracious. my car. I, honestly, crowbar. It, it wouldn't have seemed that anybody would have done He came to me and said, I think there's a mistake. And I saw, and I, I knew what it was. I was like, uh, all right, let me, uh, let me look into it. That I'll was see design, what I can do. homie. <laughs> so I got the time put back on. He told me how much he was missing. Then I had to lie and reverse it to where I'm shaving it up because oh. I didn't want to go tell my boss that I'd stole Oh, my man. Like, it was the most, the tangled it's web. It's the reason we why weave. you don't do it, yeah. The, the, the amount of web weaving yeah. after my deceit. I, honestly, from that point on, you don't have to worry about me. I am not going to deceive you in purpose or in any way, Lesson shape, or form. I from my truth. Yeah. I, liked, I liked the fact the dude caught you. <laughs> oh, right? Yeah. So if he wouldn't have caught you, I wouldn't have learned. You don't have to face it. You don't. You don't go into the shame. You don't have to look in the mirror at your lesson. And that kind of goes back to what I was saying before. You have to have, like, the parent, the person, and then situations that come from society to teach true lessons in life, or they aren't going to be learned in the yeah. same fashion. I think environment, too, has a, a, a big effect on where that's coming from. Because, I mean, you can have you can have those right influencers and you can have the right thoughts, but, man, if you're starving to death, I mean— if I'm starving to death, my family's starving, I'm going to do whatever it A takes. A whole lot of yeah. your morals go out the door I'm, when I'm, life is I'm in I'm going to have some changes. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm not doing it to be evil. I'm doing it to keep them alive or, or do whatever we've got to do to get yeah. to that next place. Yeah. So you weren't starving that day. No. Yeah. We don't know. <laughs> no, we can almost say, man. <laughs> we can almost say, like, in this world, we're, we're just trying not to, you know, take starvation in the other direction into this gorging thing that we're doing that you've done competitively you were starving it just wasn't for food <laughs> yeah right. I, I was i, I, I honestly don't know it just it, it's it's where you're at in life and you got to learn yeah. lessons Different and believe me when we're looking at youth right now and we're saying this next generation is going to mess this world up well there's no hope for humanity we got to understand we're looking at youth trying to get experience from a place of experience forgetting what it was like to be young <laughs> man i, I, I guess i agree with I, I absolutely agree with that i think every generation has the opportunity opportunity to be the next greatest generation mm -hmm. or better than the previous if one. the situations that, come up that opportunity exists daily because we are all trying to make that opportunity for them and we're doing everything we can uh some of the things i worry about uh and it kind of goes back to our last deal like the technical traits that is something that's it's a dying art in many ways and i say art and i mean that respectfully a lot of these are artisans mm. whether you're an electrician if you ever watched some of those plumbers man they're so meticulous on what they do mm -hmm. and it is right and i'm afraid a lot of these basic necessities that we all have to have to survive are going the other way and we're getting to a place where people can't perform those duties to the point where it's going to become a problem in the future if we don't turn that boat around and i may be i may be completely wrong but i don't feel like i am i think it's, it's or, very much a problem or different processes will have to come into place that they can't handle like they're going to have to make their own way in the world absolutely that they feel like working through absolutely. and you kind of think maybe to an extent every generation has sort of done that like they do have an opportunity to build their own path you're right while at the same time realizing that generations before built paths but they got to walk their own so, and I, I, but i i'm gonna i'm gonna say that this is a, a little different this time because we have we have kind of a war of active versus inactive going on mm -hmm. and i can't be a technician in the world in and not be active 
I have to be out in the grind in the elements. Yeah. yeah, I have to deal with these large structures that I'm working on. If if I am a person who has spent a lot of time inactive, playing video games, if I've lived a sedentary life, that's going to have zero appeal to me. And so I I, I look at this because traditionally economics would take care of this, right? We have remember the nursing shortages mm-hmm. or the air traffic control shortages in the eighties. Mm-hmm. So so it would take with you. Should, these positions eventually pay enough that the interest will then align itself. The beauty of supply and demand. Yeah, and then you have a balancing effect. Where I don't know that that's going to happen now is we have an inactive society. Yeah. And so if, if you're going to tell me that, okay, I can be a computer programmer or something in that lane where I'm sedentary and I'm going to make 80K a year, but you can come over here and make 150K as a tech, I, if I've lived a sedentary life, I, you, your money cannot move me into a now active life. Yeah. And that's what I worry about because kids aren't out in the streets anymore and kids aren't playing play the way different. kids play used different. to play. Yes. Okay. But the NFL, the NFL is having to remind our kids yeah. to get outside 60 minutes a day. Yeah. And so so it, when you have when you have an organization and and that just speaks to kind of where we are. Parents in and of their own interest are not moving children out to play or I, I don't know. I don't know how you how you rationalize it for a parent, but we're in a society right now where marketers that normally just take from us are having to tell us, "Put your kids outside, get them out in the yard, make sure they play," and that's something different because between the inactivity and then the obesity, which becomes debilitating, how how do we have a a, a turnaround real fast? And just collect all these guys that are going to do all this physical work. Where, where are they going to come from in an inactive society? Well, society learns like I do. They're going to have to experience the mess up. <laughs> I was just, getting to that point. I They're going to have to get in shape first. <laughs> yeah, to your like, point. That's the only good thing about ever witnessing a big systemic problem or whatever kind of problem in society is that when it gets bad enough, that's, that's what we're going to learn from. And there will be a balance point. I agree with you 100%. Economics will solve that. The, the, I guess some of my concern is a lot of these trades, whatever they are, they take time. You're talking about yeah. years after you it's get. Not quick. Yeah, you're you're talking a 10, 15 year deal to get to the point where you can be a master artisan of of whatever that trade is. Well, how much time are we going to allow for that? And what's that economic lag going to look like till we get there? Yeah, that's up. It's it's a good question. That's considerable. You also have the balance of all of these things needing less work as well. And so as as technology comes along and everything. You have an advancement in the efficiency. So my my 2000 or what, what would that be? My 1982 Delta 88 at 100,000 miles, dude, that thing was looking to retire hard. It turned into a tractor on hubcaps. <laughs> but now I can drive a Honda Accord well over 200,000 miles. And it feels like the same car. But sure. best believe as those cars got more electric, hybrid like your Honda, there was the generation above saying they don't make cars well, like the, they used well, to. But what I'm saying <laughs> is like the, the, the human interaction in a product world that's continually getting better requires less. And so I don't know how that balances right. into this whole equation, but it's, it's part, of, part of this conversation with are we going to have the labor to build the next house? And are we going to have the labor? Well, we are. We're gonna we use labor the same way we do currency. We're gonna import the labor because the labor basically comes with the currency rate, and so you have that dynamic as well. We have labor coming from the south that we don't really want to acknowledge or treat correctly, 
and they're going to do a lot of these work this, this because they came from an active society. Hopefully. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it's, have it's, you guys? It's a, it's a it's a it's kind of this shifting in all directions that really becomes hard to see. Have so you guys, if you had to have like, so I, I kind of hear now what I'm what I'm thinking about is um, a difference between the oppressors and the oppressed. So it would seem like what we're kind of saying is that those of, of, of power and position are going to do as little physical activity as possible, and they're going to get this level of society to do all the work for them. That's a lie. That's, now, that's the world. That's, yeah, so, that's now the question, that so my question is, which one would you rather be in? I'd rather be broke and hardworking. The question is, and, the question then, is how hard did you start? And oppressing. Yeah, I was and like, that's the way that I think we need to raise the generation coming James, up. I'm, Let's break that 90s mentality of everybody's got to go be a billionaire and do nothing and be inactive and force other people to do their work for them. And let's raise a generation that knows that there's no better work reward than hard work itself. I think I the knowledge like to from work and happen. See them transition through that realm. And that way we've got an ample supply of both ends of it. You you can be a very wealthy person and still know how to do things. Mm-hmm. And you can be a poor person and not know how to do anything. <laughs> Your life's just going to get a hell of a lot worse. I would like to see a, a balance of both. I, I was going to say, I, I don't know if you guys do, and I rarely get to watch it anymore because I don't watch it in front of my kids, but I absolutely believe the Simpsons and South Park are telling the future. They got some yeah. good They lessons, can absolutely yeah. tell the future. I watched a little bit of South Park the other day. And the title of it's Nobody Can Fix Shit Anymore, I think. And, like, the richest people in town is the handyman. Yeah. Like, his his truck's running on dubs. He's got gold chains. People are willing to give him, like, $2,000 to yeah. fix the garage door or whatever. Yeah, yeah. everybody can He's love needed. a banker it's or a awesome. finance that the, yeah. the banks are supposed to yeah, want yeah. with all the money. But where the rubber meets the road, where yeah. people, where the experience, it's awesome. where where it gets tangible, that's the important part. There's also a myth that you're going to go to college and become a billionaire based off the knowledge you gained at college. You're not. Oh, yeah. you, you're you're at some point in time, whether or not you went to Votech or whether or not you went to a college, in order to be a billionaire, you're going to have to own something. Yeah. And and that's going to involve more than the one dimension you learn. Like if you went to Votech and you learned how to be a great plumber. They didn't teach you how to run books. They didn't teach you how to manage people. You're going to have to learn that. If you went to college and you're not a plumber, but later on you buy a plumbing business, you got a whole lot of knowledge you don't know that based on the physics of this business that you're running. Timing is a lot of it, too. I, one of the one of the smartest business guys that I'm, I know, and he's a, he's a personal friend of mine, he made an offhanded quote. It's funny how somebody can say something. And it may mean nothing to them, but stick in your it head. Has huge consequences yeah. to you. Echo yeah. through your existence. <laughs> even change your mentality. And uh, we were having a conversation, and he he popped off something. And I don't know if he meant it to be as profound as he did, but it's one of the most true statements I've ever heard in life and in business. Timing is everything, hundred percent. Whether it's luck or planned mm-hmm. or a little bit of both, timing yeah. is absolutely everything. Yeah. Preparation's good, opportunity's great, but if the timing isn't right. None of it works out. Well, hopefully that's a lesson that can be learned throughout having to be experiential learners. Hopefully the generation. I don't think so. <laughs> Man, that's what I, if we go kind of wrap up and roll in with the end of it here. What I'd say to, to, to anybody that whatever generation you're sitting in, if, if you're at if you're at the oldest, understand that youth is here to break the structures that while you're familiar with them, maybe they don't work anymore. And if you're in the middle which is a fun place to be. You get to understand that the old ones that are on the way out appreciate what they have to teach because there's something on that back end of life that us as the middle generation, we don't know yet. Yeah. And and a whole lot of them will tell you that there's nothing more important 
than what you do with your time and your health. Yeah, That's something I think that can echo down from that top generation, no matter what we agree with on their structures or not. But they and can't, they can't, teach, the they can't teach you everything, though, because the world that they grew up in is not the world we it's have different. now. It's changed. Yeah. So yeah. as you as you lead the next generation to a certain degree, there's a disconnect. You're there. not exactly qualified to leave, and we've had this conversation with phones. Yeah. I don't manage my phone well, but now I am tasking my child with managing their phone. Where I'm quit, clearly, like it'd be like showing up drunk to an AA meeting. Right. Be like, guys, you really got to get your stuff together yeah. here. I don't know what your problem is. I've been on there 10 years longer than y'all, and you're slurring your words as you're doing it. You, you're not always equipped. It's hard to lead by I, I don't know. Like, So you think about influencers. That you brought that up earlier. An influencer in my life was Hulk Hogan. It was Don Mattingly. They were unique individuals who kind of through their craft had already defined they were at the top, and they were excellence. An influencer today is somebody who's done enough things to make enough people curious Lead to look at example. them in social media. Yeah. You could be an influencer that's just airbrushing makeup on your face all day. And so now that person is qualified by whatever uniqueness they have that we have all these kids looking at them and modeling behavior. Well, it just opens up the door for a lot more people to influence the youth yeah. in ways that you and I can't even like. If my daughter is getting influenced by an airbrusher spraying makeup, I, I don't even have the line of sight of that. I'm not sure exactly how to get in front of that. Whereas my dad always knew who Hulk Hogan was. Right? I think he, so he, knew too, my, he knew my idol. That goes back to, just like we were talking with your son, the influence that you have on them and their decision-making ability to know who's a good influence or not. So I was watching my son the other day, and I, I really hadn't paid much attention to that until just recently because my son's 11, so he's got to watching these videos and doing some of these. Whether he knows it consciously or not, he's obviously they're watching that, and he's interested, and monkey his friends see, are. Do. It's, it's going to have some unconscious impact on him, right? Yeah. Influence on him. And he was watching the deal the other day, and there's this guy, and, and I don't care for it. I, I, I don't understand the, the curiosity with it, but he's made millions of dollars, and all he does is tear shit up. Brand new car, let's go see where we can crash it. Brand new truck, watch me tear it apart. Just whatever it is. Brand new four-wheeler, let's go run it down this hill. Whatever. So he's got enough people to look at him yeah. that, that now the YouTube thing and works and he gets paid. It started to, to compound, so the more he tears up, the more he gets paid. Yeah. So the cooler things he gets. We got a plane, we got a tank, whatever. We're just tearing everything up. And my son's watching this, and I watch it for a little bit, and he's like, says something. I'm like, don't that that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. We're not watching it. That's stupid. And a little bit later, he's like, wonder why he's tearing all that up. I'm like, I don't know. But <laughs> I guess he's getting rich doing it, but you're not going to do that. Yeah. That just goes yeah. to the fact money doesn't excuse everything. Like, there's so many atrocities that get done on this yeah, there's earth some things just that... because somebody thought it was okay because they made some money. Yeah. But some, right some now, of it's making money doesn't justify any behavior. Some, some <laughs> of it's really funny. There, there are some kids on YouTube, and I'll catch myself watching this, kids on YouTube that walk up behind people in Home Depot and go, ooh, ah, and it just – it flips people out yeah. right and people turn, people turn around and go like what, what what's wrong with you man are you okay are you all right and you can see you push them like to the limits of their stability yeah right? that envelope they're, has been open they're, they're ready to take a swing they don't know if they're going to be attacked and i watch it i watch it for about five minutes and i'm laughing man i am just i'm really enjoying it and then i realize like what i'm oh wait now you're I'm, a part of it i'm contributing mm -hmm. to this yeah 
Like I'm contributing to we're laughing at a human who just basically got got knocked sideways with a what was that? I don't know what's going on. I'm in public. And, and I wonder about some of those things and their contribution to society. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of kids watching that. Yeah, but you and, can't. And, and that's a destabilizer. And, and maybe I'm getting older. Maybe that's the exact same laugh that I had at Jackass that I laughed at at an early age. But it is. It is. it's available. The bar to get that out there is low. Yeah. The bar to keep it away from your child's sight doesn't they're, exist. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to bulletproof your kids. In my opinion, they're, that that world is out there. Yeah. You can't protect them from you it. You can't. The best you thing teach you them can to navigate do is, it. Yeah. Teach them to navigate it. Let them know what's right and wrong. Yeah. Uh, some things like that. Now, and that gives some grace when they figure out what's yeah. wrong the wrong way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So th- this this episode, we're starting this new idea of show and tell, and we didn't bring the firearm here just. To intimidate, but you right. have a, you have a show and tell. You guys item. marched me in with it. Yeah, don't lie. <laughs> there was no like. I think we would have picked something a little bit the more second, modern. He didn't come yeah. back completely. It wasn't voluntary. He came back at the yeah. end of a bayonet. This point. this is not something that I think we try to take down a small. You can't community tell, with, but I'm yeah, but heavily sedated, right? Now. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take much. <laughs> All right, so tell us about this piece. So yeah, this is a again. This is one of those things that impacts me very heavily. Uh, this is a M1 Grand. It's a they made over five million of these. This was the the weapon of choice for all of World War II. My grandparents were heavily involved in that. I'm, I'm going to say anybody my age, if you don't think your grandparents were involved, think again. Whether they were at they didn't war tell you about it. or yeah. here at home, they were they were more involved than it you'll touched ever know. every person. Absolutely, and I've always been fascinated by that age group, the greatest generation they call them. Both my grandfathers, for example, were involved in World War II and deployed overseas, and I've never thought of them really as anything amazing. They were just my grandpas, right? Yeah. I mean, that's that's my grandpa. That's my grandma. Where you came from? They're good people. They got good, strong ethics, and they're well respected in town. Never thought any more about it. Later in life, I started to understand just how amazing that actually is for that generation. Because you're talking about people that were born and raised in the Great Depression. With, with nothing, especially rural, most of that was rural America. So they got plucked out of that at a very young age, thrown into World War II, saw terrible atrocities, were part of a, the war machine out of necessity for their homeland. The people that were left at home are all part of that war machine. They're making great personal sacrifices for the boys overseas. They do all these things, and they come home, and they start families, and they start their little businesses, and they raise their families with ethics and morals and values, and they say nothing about the things that they've experienced. They leave that world behind for the most part. And most of that generation to this point has passed. There's very few remaining that were part of that. Yeah. Uh, but once you understand more about what they endured and what they went through and the fact that they just came home and went to work and went to be a productive member of society and wanted better things for their children's and used some of those experiences, not to maybe tell them what happened, but to help mold and guide them into an, a better society for their children. Exactly. I think that's one thing that we owe to the generation that came before, is to make this a better existence, to make this a better life on our planet. I, I didn't go through any of that World War II kind of stuff. I never even got close to war. About as hard as I ever got to in life was scraping hot tar off a roof. Sure. But... I hope that my son <laughs> never yeah. has to do anything. I, I hope anybody in society would just make this world a better place. I think those experiences, experience. those those experiences and those 
historic events, they need to be touched on. I don't want anybody to have to ever go through those kind of atrocities again, but we need to know that they happen mm-hmm. and believe that, and that needs to be instilled into those next generations. Yeah. We're going to make mistakes. We don't need to make some of these mistakes again. Yes. Can you, can you some imagine mistakes can be left in the past. Absolutely. Well, can you imagine the feeling that must have been to come back from war and you have all this early 20s group now they've won a world war and now they've come back to work on their country. And what, what an incredible time that must have been just the optimism of the future of what we have now, right? We, we've dominated the world in some way, and we've come to the rescue in some other ways, but now we're back. We're in our early 20s. We've survived, and now it's time to, to grow and prosper. And that was time great prosperity and growth. It was. And, and not, in, not just in the United States, but across the world, because a lot of that is true. They were, they're done with that world. Mm-hmm. They want better for themselves and better for yeah. their family and and there was a tremendous amount of growth and prosperity. Yeah. So, yeah. And I think we've made the world a better place. You know, our generation hasn't had to go through this sort Absolutely. of a conflict. And uh, the generations coming up, I don't think they'll see any sort of a uh, need for a bayonet to be used yeah, in a trench. And horrific. so, therefore, we're advancing society just like we need to. Be optimistic about the youth. Be optimistic about the future that the generations before have laid before them. Make, yeah. make the youth better. Don't yeah, be optimistic. Could, yeah. Instill in them you the, kind of the values that we you, you know, you kind of owe it. It's it's somebody worked on yeah. you as a child. Yeah. It's the right thing to do. It's not just Whether it's happen. your children or a We've volunteer situation. It. Like, it, it's not. When you think about it, is there something I can do to make anything better? One of the, one of the things you can do is contribute yeah. what you know and what you've experienced and, and potentially your ethics into a developing youth we can't we can't passively raise our children no we have to actively raise them i I think we've kind of got into that slum a little bit and i think to some extent through conversations i've heard here and with other people we're waking up to that fact like we make your kids go outside because you're giving them too much time on that video or on this or on that inactivity yeah too much of us to stay quiet and be still (laughs) we thought that was good parenting i think our generation is figuring out that telling your kid to be quiet and be still is not good parenting. Uh, yeah go break something (laughs) yeah Yeah. do anything besides sit quiet and be still and they need your awareness that's one of the, the biggest contributions i think you can make to anybody developing right is your time your time and the fact that they can come to you they can get feedback from you uh, you're there as a voice that's seeing them, that's aware of them. I think a, a lot of a lot of time in youth, you you feel like you're not seen. You you exist, but nobody's really. Yeah. You're just kind of glad you're to talked be there. around. Yeah, and when you and you, I've seen you do this with when you get eye level with kids, which is a great trick, or trick or a great practice, right? Yeah. When you get eye level with kids, that's so rare. For them not to have to do this thing to adults, mm-hmm. that they're like, wow, this person now is It gives them a level of talk. It, it makes it, yeah. You it get more productivity. You don't have to shave their time when you get eye level with them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Only if they earn it. Right. It just depends. That's subjective. <laughs> Look, Junior, these packages ain't moving themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> You see yeah. what I'm saying? Oh, I, saw, I can't believe I thought that was like one of the top five worst things I've done in my life. I did not anticipate telling the story hey, I'm on proud here. Of you, oh, man. We've it does. It does yeah. speak to the show. Similar. It speaks to the show. Absolutely. Don't be ashamed of your experience yeah. Yeah. or whatever. Learn it from it and go. Grow my, with my, it. My, the yeah, thing I should be ashamed of if I was still doing it. The <laughs> reason why I didn't tell you in my stories has nothing to do with the fact that I didn't commit those atrocities. It's more about self-preservation than <laughs> my self-preservation moment was a, a little yeah. had a little more depth in the fiber than you. Well, I mentioned in the show, yeah. I'm like, yeah. listen, man, I was a bad dude back then. <laughs> right now, 
We ain't talking about that. We're gonna let Leave that, the past we're gonna let in the that past. Go. Right. Leave the lessons go. in the present. You, uh, you had a pet story that, that I, I was really yeah, interested in Yeah, talking about lessons, man. So my parents are, you know, in their early 70s. They're retired. And uh, they've been around livestock and animals their entire life. And they travel a lot. So most of their animals have to be pretty well self-preserving, okay. right? Support yeah. their self. And uh, they've never had a lot of pets around the house we've always had dogs and stuff like that this stray cat comes up like a couple years ago man and for some strange reason my dad like takes a liking to it and starts feeding it which is very uncharacteristic mm, of him. okay i mean he's one of those a cat knows how to the feed way you run, run over yeah, yeah. so he's, right. he's got a moment with his cat so yeah i mean I, I don't know what happened but at any rate he'd been feeding it and it's a little bit of yellow thing like this kind of a sickly looking little animal and uh, this rocks on a couple of weeks, and he's doing whatever, feeding it, and kind of acknowledges it every once in a while. I'm like, this ain't going to end good, man. I've seen this seen this play out too many you're, times. But you're curious. You're yeah, watching. I'm watching. I don't say anything. I'm like, your cat don't look too good. Yeah, he needs to catch some more rats. Or he'll say, oh, he so, all right, so he's he's letting the outdoors grizzle yeah, well, this yeah, cat we're, up. We're feeding a little. It's kind of supplementing, okay. help, right. help the cat out Keep a little Keep the bit. flavor in his <laughs> yeah. mouth. Anyways, they take off on one of their vacations, and they're gone like three months well, they're kind of snowbird kind of deal mm -hmm. right they go enjoy it and i'm happy for them and like every couple of weeks i come check on the property or whatever well <laughs> so i come in and they've been gone maybe i don't know man i can't remember a month or something and i roll in there and uh, there's some packages on the driveway and this cat's curled up at the front door and i don't pay any attention i'm just like well oh, cat's okay okay so go on i leave a couple of weeks go by i roll in there cat's curled up at the front door Man, that cat really likes that front door, and I don't think anything about it. <laughs> oh, so a couple of weeks go by, and my sister swings through there, and she checks everything out. Cat's at the front door. First time she's been there. Cat's she in the usual spot. She doesn't think anything about it. Yeah. A few more weeks go this by. So I roll back through, and at this point, like I'm like, man, that doesn't look quite right. So I get over there, and sure enough, man, this cat has expired. Too late for CPR. Right here. It, <laughs> you mouth-to-mouth at this point, just chest pump. It was, it was curled up like it just went to sleep. Just curled up and went to sleep, and it was dry. Like, <laughs> it, it didn't rot, man. Well, and that, I, I think, I don't know if it was like Wait, how long had it been sitting there dead before like, you realized it's dead? At this point, dead? we're talking like six, nine weeks that this oh, cat's been static, okay. static on We're just going porch. back to nature. <laughs> Where are a, the crows that are supposed to take care of it? And I sent it to my I'm sister, kidding. and I'm like, this cat loved my family so much, it died waiting on them. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if in my mind I can just, this sounds so cruel, but in my mind I can just see this cat like sitting there meowing its last meow no waiting man. on grandpa briscoe <laughs> to come throw a little catnip out dedicated it ain't okay, leaving okay. it's got a bond <laughs> it was definitely dead the first time you saw it right you didn't kill it through starvation you no, man. i mean I, I don't know that okay but you can't think the cat would lay up in a ball and die of starvation i'm kind of like i really think it must he, have had a stroke he clearly died. died in its sleep well he died there for what i wish i'd kept it i would have just had it mounted like one of those doorstop things or something so it lights doors. Here's where it really gets good. We didn't tell my parents. We just sent them pictures like cats in the front door. Oh. You know, you really can't tell because it's just a yellow blob of cat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So the, what, you're, like a month later, they finally come home, and I'm over there, and I don't say a word. I'm like, oh, oh, oh. Dad's like, cat starved death. <laughs> what do you mean? He's like, come home, and damn cat's dead in the front porch. I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Well, you think it got sick or something? He goes, no. 
That lazy son bitch starved death. <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of so true. They, they, they I mean, that's true. Ball and starved to death. Cat, cats are supposed I'd to. I'd rather die than go get my own food. I want to give you my cat story now because I, uh, well, this is one of, this is one of my, not my all-time favorite cat stories, but this is up there. So <laughs> I'm buying houses. This is probably about three, this is about three years ago. And I'm, I'm buying a package of nine houses. And they don't want me to see one of them. Which, like, that's got my dander up, right? That's I'm the like, one you clearly, see. Like, why do yeah. you want me to see that? Why do you want me to see it, right? And we're getting close to closing, and I had an inspection window. And I'm like, I need to see this house. And they're like, okay, we're going to have to arrange it with the tenant. And most of them had tenants. I was buying them with tenants. So it, was, it was, wasn't a big deal. And so they wait till about three days outside of closing. And I told the realtor, there's a broker, I'm like, I'm not, they think I'm signing. I'm not going to closing until I've seen this house. I know what they're doing. I think I have an idea what they're doing. And so they're like, okay, well, the, the, the tenant is Section 8, and we've had some challenges, and we didn't want you to be. And I'm like, oh, just give me a time when I can go over there, and I'll go look at the house, and I'll tell you whether or not I want to buy it or not. And so I show up at the house, and I've been to hoarder houses before, just a little for this is We're going into a hoarder house here. And so I knock on the front door, and lady, real nice lady, she comes, comes to the door, and she's like, what, what can I do for you? And I'm like, well, I'm – I'm going to buy the house. And she goes, oh, okay. You Like right now you're going to buy the house? And I'm like, well, no, it's not not exactly how it works, but I need to inspect the house. Did they, did they tell you I was coming? And she was like, no, 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 nobody told me. You know, well, that's problematic. You're supposed to give your tenants 24 hours. But I'm like, well, ma'am, I know it's inconvenient, but I'm here, and I really only need about 15 minutes if I can just walk through the house. She's talking to me through the crack in the door at this point. Oh, yeah, you haven't seen anything. I haven't inside. seen anything. Oh. I don't know what I'm walking into. Yeah. And so she's like, yeah, that, that's fine. Again, really nice lady. So she goes, it's a bit messy. And I'm like, that's all right. I go in a lot of houses. Don't, don't worry about that. And she's like, okay, well, let, let me give me just a second, and I'll let you in. And I'm like, okay. So I stand at the door, and I hear a little bit of shuffling, and, and I hear something like collapse. Kind of, it sounded a bit like a folding chair. You remember the old school aluminum yeah. folding mm-hmm. chair? It had kind of a noise to it. Fold like a cheap lawn And she opens the door. It steps back about two foot, and that's about all you had. You had about two foot in the doorway, and then we went to what I can only describe as ant trails. Ant trails through debris in this house that was probably, if it's an eight-foot ceiling, it's probably six, seven foot high. And she goes- Is it like she, trash? Or is it this like, it's it's mostly trash. Like So it, when you, a hoarder house is basically, that is a physical display of a cluttered mind. And so when you're walking inside of a hoarder house, you're walking inside the psychology of the individual that will not throw things away. For whatever reason, th- this is where they've been left in life, but it's, it's, it's sad from a, mental, from a mental health perspective, right? Um, but I'm going to tell the joke anyway. So <laughs> she, uh, she's like, would you like me to lead me through, to lead you through the place? And of course, at this point in time, I can see the mountains. I know there's a lot of newspapers involved. There were a lot of Sonic cups involved. She'd been collecting Sonic cups and stacking them up to eight foot tile. And I'm like, well, why don't don't you just go ahead and lead me? And, you know, I need to see the kitchen. I need to see the bathroom and show me the bedrooms. And and I've already known, like, I know how to handle this house. We get a dumpster and and there's a challenge there because she's there. She's section eight. So I have to work through all that. But the amount of debris inside of a house doesn't scare me. I've dealt with that before. So she starts walking me through the house, and the smell the smells intense. I can't imagine. I'm breathing through my mouth, but I'm worried about my mouth 
trapping all whatever's going through my nose and my mouth. So I'm trying not to breathe. We're breathing through our ears. I'm <laughs> trying not to breathe. I'll be keep honest. breathing the same there breath. Was so, like, there was something the that same is going breath. on. Like, <laughs> I appreciate you having me over. <laughs> no, I don't think you think to drink. Thank with you. I'm going to my armpit for a minute <laughs> and see what I can get right. And so we're walking through the house and we come to the bathroom. And there's a lot of debris in the bathroom. And the shower curtain's forward. I go grab the shower curtain, pull it back. And I look down, and there's a dead cat. <laughs> and the cat's been there for a minute. And I go, ma'am, is that is that your cat? And she looked at it, and she goes, oh, I, I thought he ran away. Oh, my gosh. That's got to hurt. And I was like. No, I th- I think he passed. <laughs> and she looks at no, me and she running. goes, she goes, well, don't worry about that. I'll deal with it later. Let me show you the bedroom. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And so well, we turned around. The cat was dead we to turned, her. No, the, the cat was dead. There was nothing to be done. And it she was dead to her that. and it's dead in real We life, turned around though. and went back to the tour of the house. And that's my dead cat story is, is one, I guess, there's probably a couple houses out there with dead cats laid up in, you know, nice yeah. newspaper coffins. And not not all the owners are aware that low there is actually a death low going on. Yeah, yeah, they are low maintenance. I haven't had to buy cat food that in a while. Last, I wonder why that bag of cat food's lasted for six months. That one last big shred. <laughs> shed. <laughs> so anyway, funny story with this lady. So I, I end up buying a house, and Section 8 has a, a disposition set up. Their houses are supposed to be inspected once a year for condition and functionality. And clearly... Nobody had been inspecting this house. And so I go to Section 8, and I'm like, well, I don't want to kick this lady out. And you guys have already been – you funded this in its current state. And in Section 8, they have a a social worker. They have a caseworker that's assigned to them. And so I I talked the caseworker into continuing to pay for it. And so the annual inspection comes around about six months later. And the caseworker calls me and goes, hey, it's time for the inspection. And I'm like, what? You remember this house? It was the one I had to call you about. And she goes, Oh, yeah. I think we'll skip that inspection. (laughs) (laughs) But the lady went on to live for two years in that house. And it was sad. It was sad. I got to know her a little bit. Um, What do you think the odds are that cat got moved? I think the cat's still there. The cat probably, I don't know. That's a great question. I didn't Uh, go looking for it. Um, No, I'm. Because we had, we, we, had a, we had a remodel after that. So after she passes about two years later. We got to go in and get everything out. And as I recall, that was about a three-roll-off house. But they're not, surprisingly, that stuff in a house, it's not really that damaging. It just occupies cubes. Yeah, it's not space. really a hard remodel. Um, it's, not, it's not the most challenging remodel. I'd rather deal with a, a remodel that involved a dead cat than a dead human. And that'll be another story for another day. But I've dealt with one of those as well. And I'll take the cat every right. time. Especially in a tub. Every time. Oh, yeah. you just got a tub problem. Conveniently died in a porcelain yeah. coffin. The it smallest worked, it worked thing out that well. died is easier. It worked out well. So, yeah. <laughs> well, that, I think that couple couple dead cats is the perfect way to wrap up. <laughs> it's very upbeat. Absolutely. Yeah. Are. All, right. all nine lives right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That cat had nine she lives. She smoked a few trying to get out of that tub, I guess. <laughs> It's, yeah. I'll tell you what, if I lived in that house, I'd take one life and be happy. Like I don't need another, the other eight. Like I'll spend one and be done. That's fine. Well.
right, man. Well, That's we appreciate awesome. you coming back. Anything else we got to talk about here? No, man. I think I think we touched on all uh, all I got in my mind. I, you did have an interesting fact about this gun that I I wasn't aware of that that there is a government organization called the Civil Marksmanship. Yes. Uh, Tell so us about that. that. It's really it's it's interesting. It's a little bit ironic, if you will, in this day and time. And I, I want you guys to know, from a belief standpoint, I think it's a great program. But so this 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 initiative was started like in 1909, 1903, and the goal was to to some extent train the citizens of the nation at the time so that they would have some basic knowledge of firearms and marksmanship and some of those things. So in the event we did go to World War, which we did a couple times, they would already have some of that very basic training down. It's almost so, like we were planning for it. Yeah, so it, it, it's had a tremendous amount of success, and it still exists today. So if you go online or, or write to this organization, you can become a part of this government program and purchase a firearm like this that they will send you along with a bunch so you, of you had, you had to buy it? Oh, you had to buy it. Yeah, you have to buy it. What did what, what, what that run you? So this one this this one was purchased. I'm the third owner of this rifle, and it was purchased through the program. And I think this one was purchased in around 2000 or 2001. I've got the paperwork. And at that time, the cost was $550. Okay. Which is, I paid a tremendous amount more for this firearm than that. I don't know what they are today, but, I mean, in this day and time, you can't buy much for $500. Yeah. And a firearm like this, these are very well built, very well engineered, very robust. That is a very expensive firearm for $500. Hmm. So it's it's very much trying to support that. Again, yeah, and that's safe, 2000 money. That's that that probably yeah. is about $1200, 1500. Yeah, that's they're, <laughs> Today's they're very inflation. much uh, supporting the fundamentals of firearm safety, marksmanship, some of those things. I just, I find it terribly ironic that that the program exists and I believe it should. I think we should all have if you choose to have some of those basic things and have those freedoms, if you will. Where I find it ironic is we have these programs ongoing, and at the same time we have other programs that are trying to shut things like this down. Yeah. So they're they're kind of it's fight, tricky fighting each other, and I'm not sure which one should win or which one shouldn't. Maybe they'll just stay. It's in part limbo. of the process of change. Stay you know, in limbo. The, the right thing will always win out. Uh, when, when I see a gun like this, and I I see the knife on the end of it, man, it it just oh. it sends shivers it home down me, my spine. It reminds me absolutely how comfortable I've lived. And how uncomfortable Absolutely. some other people have had to live. That's know, these, a, it's a humbling thing to stare at. When you guys, I think everybody's seen Saving Private Ryan. Mm-hmm. I, that's probably the most, and obviously I've never experienced it, but just based on the history and the things I've read, that's probably the most accurate war scenes you'll ever see. And this gun's in there a lot. So this M1, when it shoots its six calibers, when it shoots its six rounds out, the bolt comes back and it throws the empty mag out so you can throw another one in. Mm-hmm. And it makes a very distinctive clinking sound. Okay. You can hear it all through. Saving yeah, Private I, Ryan. I think I can hear it. Once you've fired one of these and you go watch that movie and you think about what that must have been like with tens of thousands of those going yeah. off. And this yeah. is a 30-06, by the yeah. way, guys. It's I'm, not a small bolt. I'm here no. to tell you. Yeah, that kicks. If you're downrange from this firearm, you're you're in danger. This, yeah. this thing is extremely deadly. But when you... When you fire one of these in person and you hear that clink, man, it, it sends, to your point, Yeah, I can go fire this gun or just, if I'm having a bad day, walk out and look at it and some others I've got, and I'm instantly in a better place because I'm like, I am so proud to have the freedoms that we have, live where we live. All these things that we think are problems, 
they're not problems. The men that had to carry these knew what problems were. Yeah. Can you imagine and we owe it to that generation to not regret? Absolutely. To, don't to make continue those, to make life don't better. Don't make those same mistakes. Yeah, no no, no point do I hope my, my son has and to carry I, one of those. I salute everybody in the armed forces, and I know there's a lot of generations that have served in different places. I just choose this one because I can reach out and touch it, and it connects to me. Yeah, it was close to us. Yeah, It absolutely. was close to us. I, I think about the, the just going back to saving private Ryan, the, the gulp of breath you'd have to take on D-Day, oh to gosh. run on that beach. Just knowing, like, the odds of me dying are greater than the odds of me living. And so in that moment, you have to have some release of your own self-preservation yeah. in order to move forward. A little head of the Vikings did it. They tell them, you're already dead. Now go into battle and It's the cleanest thing life. to think at that point. Yeah, you, I, I think that's you the have to turn it That's over. exactly the way I yeah. go into battle. I'm dead now. I got to go earn my right. I'm, to I'm live. Like, I would think you would have to turn so many sensory things off just to perform for yeah. self-preservation. For one thing, I mean, I, I couldn't. Again, I can't fathom what they went through. But I can, when I go shoot this rifle at my range at home, which I've got tuned in very well for any of those crackheads that want to come experiment, there's some copper buried underneath the plates at various ranges come on out we'll, we'll run the gauntlet and see what happens you make it a game of america absolutely gladiator. we'll see what see what happens but no when i again when i fire one of these especially at the end when i hear that that Bing. that amazing clink it yeah. just takes puts shivers down my back yeah unreal yeah it, it, it would be a, a harrowing experience and you don't know what the adrenaline would be like yeah. you don't what if you survive that day, you made it through the first day, and and now there's more to come. But like, what, what is the adrenaline dump like? Yeah. Or maybe you got to stay awake for 36 hours. Like, I mean, th- I think the men that did some of that hand-to-hand combat, both in World War One and World War Two, they pressed the limits of, of human capability in ways that we'll just never be able to fathom. Thankfully, Absolutely. but they, that was a special generation. They they definitely moved our existence forward. In, in ways that probably we'll never even really be able to understand entirely. I, I or we're figuring out right now. like Because Gen X is the generation that has lived that life of ease that was provided there. I agree 100%. And, and I, I say that because, again, my grandparents were always just my grandparents. And as I've aged, I've understood, especially as I've researched more of the things that they did and what they went through, it's amazing how normal they were. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's yeah. amazing the things that they did and experienced and moved society forward with and they were just my grandparents it makes you think that the trauma also can can have some leveling effect because they went through a great humbling event and then came back and acted humble absolutely and and there's something well we say that like it's a blanket statement some did some didn't like yeah, you can't I, deny I that, that they started calling it shell shock like Certainly. there were after effects absolutely. they didn't just come back snapping I, yeah i'm not prescribing i saw my more. grandfather he fought in korea and I don't think that his demeanor was of someone who had never used one of these. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> like there, there was a different character. That, that's the conundrum, though. Like that stress builds a humble existence because you've been to something where life has been taken away. Now you value the life you have. And different we don't want anybody in this generation to have to go through that. But then if you, when you don't go through that, you don't have that humbling moment. Yeah. Then, then you walk around sometime with, with this feeling that there should be something greater. I think how they, especially I, I can speak again for my grandparents, how they dealt with it when they came back. You take my, my grandpa Hunt, was a, he was a POW in, uh, in Germany right after the Battle of the Bulge, actually, for the majority of the winter, which was a terrible winter, one of the wow. worst winters they'd ever had. 
and that they basically starved them to death. Again, you got to remember the Germans are out of supplies at this point. They're not even feeding their own troops, so the POWs are essentially just eating dirt and yeah. grass. And you imagine, can you imagine how angry those German soldiers would be as well? Oh, yeah. I've thought of that too. Like, so, so I'm sitting here. The on punishment was terrible. The end of a war, and my team is losing, and yeah. I don't even know. I'm about to be a. What am I going to have to pay for? Yeah. And now I got POWs, and I'm going to be compassionate. Unbelievable. That's a hard conditions. place to be. Where I was going at one. So he went through all those horrific things and saw all those atrocities, and he came back, and he never spoke of any of it. But Same with mine. He raised a very successful family, was very committed to the community, to his church, to his religion. All these little different things is how he, I'm assuming, how he dealt with that, and through his grandkids. Yeah. Now, I can remember there are some things that stuck with him all the way through. One was that mug, right? And I've got a diary, and you get you guys kind of browsed through it earlier, so... He picked up a mug, and he, he kept a little bitty diary somehow in this POW account, but he would write down the daily activities if anything had changed. And one day, he made a note in there that he got a mug. And the significance of that, if you didn't have something to dip up out of the soup or, or grab the dirt with, you didn't eat. Yeah. You would starve to death. So a mug was a life-saving So what, and what's funny is when I read the diary, and he said he got himself a mug, I'm like, oh, I got a beer that day. Yeah. Like, my mentality yeah, we can't, can't even you go can't there. Fathom. We no, can't, I can't fathom. get near that. And so I, I'm just thinking, like, Brown saw, oh, he got, I'm good for him. He got a beer. One of his tendencies, and I, we always, my sister and I, and I think all of our cousins thought this was really strange, but when he would sit down to eat, and he did it up until he was very later in life, until he passed away. So everybody would make their plate, and he would put all his plate, all his food on the plate, and stir it all up. And it didn't matter what it was. Wow. We stirred it up into a slurry. Huh. And he had a cup. He always had a cup of water or whatever we were drinking. And he would eat everything on his plate and never touch that, that drink until it was until he was completely done. And then he would take a drink of whatever. Huh. And that goes back to, like, part of the time he was there, he was transferred by rail for, like, seven days without a drop of water. Wow. And when they got to wherever they were going, they gave him, him and, like, six guys a half a loaf of bread and no water. So from... From that day on, he's like, you savor every time you take a drink, and you yeah. make sure you enjoy every bit of it. You imagine eating bread, no I water? Can't, I can't. Oh. After no, you, the the amount of... In freezing weather oh after God. you've been on a train yeah. for yeah, five and, days, and deciding, like, all right, there's six of us. We're going to have to divide this thing fairly precisely. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, it makes you It really makes you think about those times when you complain about the Wi-Fi. No doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Really, it really just makes you check the life that you're (laughs) that you're living. I can't believe you didn't put cheese on my tater tots. (laughs) What is wrong with you? Never coming back. One star for you. I'm thrilled though that that's the problems that we're passing off the next generation. I I, I I hope they don't have to have the mental and physical fortitude to go through war. I feel guilt about it though. Like I like if I scrape (laughs) off how I feel. We know we haven't done any hefty living as a generation. We know. What, the, what was the heaviest lifting we did? We worried about the Russians yeah. for a little bit when they were pumping hours at us? Well, that yeah. one week. Yeah, we really yeah, yeah. had it. We had it really yeah. hard. It's, right? it's more dealing with those kind of yeah. Yeah. day-to-day yeah. life being yeah. hard. Like that's what our generation can't wanted. believe. How I've did got we make Saturday. day-to-day yeah. life yeah. so stressful yeah. that we can't function in society? It's 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 well, it's just it it speaks to when you've been around an environment where life is not valued and you escape that environment. You have incredible value for the life you get. Feed your kitties, people. 
Yeah. Feed your kitties. Feed your kitties. <laughs> <laughs> they will not live on Amazon packages alone. We've learned. Yeah. <laughs> it's right. not just to sleep for four days. <laughs> hey, right. and appreciate every generation, man. The old, the young, they all have something to offer. You're all here for a reason. Let's work together and Make appreciate each other yep. and the differences. Feed your kitties. Them. Absolutely. <laughs> I did. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, man. Thank you, guys. We would like to thank you for listening to the Feral Minds podcast. Hopefully, we triggered some curiosity that will have you seeking more. Remember, your mind is meant to run. Slap some sneakers on that bad boy and take it around the block. If you'd like to connect with us or enlist our feral thoughts on a problem in your life, visit us on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, or at theferalminds.com. Also, remember, our thought line is always available. 24-7, we don't even allow it to sleep. And we want to hear from you. That number is 866-340-3394. Again, that number is 866-340-3394. We look forward to hearing from you.